Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with Brentley Jordan. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you all. And we're glad you're here. And we are here to discuss uh, your sermon from this past Sunday, Brentley. Uh, the official title is A Life That Brings Glory to God from yes. John chapter 17. And kind of the unofficial title is Praying with Jesus through John 17. Yeah, yeah. And so um, you had a handout and just if you didn't, if you were watching online and you didn't have, didn't have the handout, just know that it is available on our blog um, as a PDF download. So you can look at that if you'd like. Um, but basically on this handout, you included the entire text of John chapter 17. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a lot of text, and um, and I really wanted to just to slowly make our way through the different sections of Jesus' prayer, and and really you know give people the opportunity to have some space to to be praying through that text as well. Um, so so the space on Sunday morning was a blessing to me. I I think it was a bless well it was a blessing to some others, um, and I know sometimes that's a little different. To, sit in a large room of hundreds of people and have it be quiet. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, sometimes that quiet is actually a little uh, distracting to some people and it takes a while to for your mind to quiet and uh, and focus in on mm -hmm. something. Um, but that was the desire that that would be uh, a helpful part of our time together last Sunday. Yeah, and I, you know, you and I had a conversation on Monday about that and you know, and I pointed out that if we're not used to quiet, then yes, it will take time for our mind to be able to quiet down and focus. Yeah. And that's okay because mm -hmm. the next time we're given that opportunity for space and quiet in the middle of a service, then maybe it won't take quite as long. And mm -hmm. the more we get used to it or the more we've experienced it, the more frequently we've experienced that quiet and that space that allows us to focus our minds more quickly, I think, every time. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah, that was good having it. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the first part of John chapter 17 focuses on glory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what why don't you kind of describe tell us what the definition of glory is yeah you know as as i was looking into that and just looking at different uh scholars the way they articulated the the two articulations that i liked the most was one talking about to glorify is to share the unveiled to share unveiled presence and mm -hmm. and that seemed specific uh, particularly fitting because what what jesus had shared previous to the incarnation was he had shared in the unveiled presence of God the Father. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he knew that that's what he would share in again um, after the ascension. Mm -hmm. um, and so to share in the unveiled presence and, and the other articulation that I found helpful was uh, to be clothed in splendor. Um, 
And mm. so, so to be clothed in splendor, you, you're only clothed in splendor if you are in the unveiled presence of God the Father, bathed in his light and glory, and therefore clothed in his splendor. Um, mm. So both of those I, I found very, um, you know, helpful to my imagination and, uh, and really just, I mean, beautiful descriptions and, and a compelling uh, thought of what it was like for Jesus to experience being clothed in splendor, to experience the unveiled presence of God the Father for forever before mm -hmm. the world began. And, um, and then the contrast, what would it have been like for Jesus to have known that in, you know, in relationship with Trinity, this, and that's another thing, this passage is so, such uh, beautiful and helpful teaching about Trinity. Mm. Um, and I mean, specifically, uh, it's really looking at God the Father and God the Son, and it doesn't right. say so much about God the Spirit, but, but we, get a, we get a picture of the Trinity through this view of God the Father and God the Son. Right. Um, but anyway, so back to just imagining the contrast, what it was like for Jesus to experience um, the, the full glory of God, and then to step away from that, uh, mm -hmm. and what he experienced in incarnation, compare that to what he experienced in the glory of God. I mean, that is just, we, there's nothing in life that we know that even comes close to that uh, stark a contrast. And that, yeah. so that was just, that was compelling to be thinking through that. Yes. I was struck by that too on Sunday morning. I, yeah, just that difference. And then, I mean, I, that's what I wrote in my notes. Like Jesus had known the unveiled presence always outside of time until now. He's, yeah. he is, he is now subject to time, subject to humanity not experiencing Jesus or don't experience God, the father's full unveiled presence mm -hmm. and anticipating a break in that relationship, a complete break on the cross. Yeah. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I had so, a fun, someone shared something with me. That was funny. They uh -huh. uh, shared they had had a surgery um, years ago and, and were experiencing some pain and inconvenience from that surgery. And they were talking to the Lord about that. And they, they felt Jesus kind of whisper to them, um, uh, you, you know, uh, some, some kind of understanding from the Lord. But then this, this statement, something like, um, you know, yes, what you're experiencing is bad. Um, and you you should have you should have experienced the incarnation, but that was just and, and the 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 comedy you know of this person just to think about oh yeah the the incarnation would have been far worse than uh, this pain in in a surgery that I'm experiencing. Uh, so that was a, a comical comparison that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> that is. I um I did I did write down a question for me for for you in verse four. You know, it talks about um, glorifying your son, that your son may glorify you. Um, and so all this is said in like verse 
one and two. And then in verse four, he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And I just thought, I, how, how would you, def is that a different Greek word? I don't know if you've studied it that deeply. Oh yeah. If that yeah. is a different Greek word, then glorify your son and glorify me in your presence with the, with the glory I had before your had with you before the world began in verse five like it seems like it's the same word used in a different context that would have a different definition than what we've just discussed yeah that's a good question so i didn't look at the greek the uh the greek word um for glory in those two my i mean my hunch would be that it's the same word and that mm -hmm. it's used in slightly a different way where when he uses it in verse four i have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Um, he, uh, you know, by, um, by Jesus making a way uh, for, by Jesus sacrificing with such love and living a perfect life, then he brings glory to God by the way he honors God in his obedience. And his obedience proclaims the goodness and power of God. So, yeah. so in that okay. sense, his obedience is proclaiming the goodness and power of God. It's proclaiming the glory of God, mm -hmm. um, and and in a way, I mean, you can you can carry it to to make it even more similar to glory in the way that we were defining a few moments ago. Um, it's it's in His proclaiming, um, in His obedience, and proclaiming this glory of God that He makes it possible for people to place faith in Jesus and then one day experience the glory of God. Hmm. So, so and, I, I think I it wonder, holds together in that sense. Yeah. And I wonder too, if it is also, I brought you glory kind of by manifesting your presence here on earth mm -hmm. in yeah. a, in a, not in an unveiled kind of way, but in a very veiled human way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because it's it's manifesting his presence, proclaiming his presence. It's it's pointing to the Lord, and and at, a lot of times, um, as we point to, we are giving attention to, in some ways, honoring, giving glory mm -hmm. to, even. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think that that fits. Okay, good. Well, then the second part of, and there are three. I just had to pull out my oh, hand yeah. out to make sure. Um, the second part that you talked about was John 17 um, verses 6 through 19. You kind of went through um, Jesus's prayer and different parts of his prayer. So like the first yeah. part was God revealed. I don't, I don't have all that great of notes because I think I was distracted. Yeah. By being oh, that's okay. So there was, <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, so the four part, you know, so that's the second part of Jesus' prayer when he's praying for his the disciples in the room specifically, and 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 the that's a longer part of the prayer, and I divided it up in God revealed, unity needed, joy expected, and disciples sent. Um, so um, you know, so the part I I would want to camp on and just make more comments about is this uh, unity needed and um mm -hmm. you know the beauty of um of 
he, Jesus wanted um, to protect his disciples and, and what was at the front of his mind in the way he wanted, what he wanted to protect was their unity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and their unity was so important to the, the power and the authenticity of their message. And, um, and, and I had, I enjoyed just reflecting on what, um, what did Jesus do or what was true about the community of those 12 walking with Jesus mm. that created unity while Jesus was with them? And, mm. and just one, you know, one thought experiment that was, that was enjoyable just to, to get my mind into the Gospels and to read and imagine uh, what was that community, what was that unity like between Jesus and his disciples for those three years on earth? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that, yeah, so some of the things I thought about was, you know, there's the, there's some of the obvious ones, they, uh, they had a shared mission. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, and, um, and they spent lots of time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are, I mean, those are two great principles for us to think about in uh, our s- pursuit of unity with brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. um, to, to major on our shared mission and, and not get distracted by all of the, you know, countless differences we have, mm-hmm. but, but to major on our shared mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, this was, you know, it, in the beginning of uh, the prayer, let me go back to it. There's this great um, line um, in verse 3. Uh, now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. So there's a sense in which Jesus is, he, he looks at eternal life, presence with, with God the Father. Um, e- eternal life is... To know God, mm-hmm. period. Um, so, so our one mission is is to know God and and to make Him known to others. And and it is so easy for us to get um, to take our eyes off of that mission. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're we're arguing about you know thousands of things that have importance, but but right. if they are things that are taking us away from knowing God and helping others know God, then, then they're just that. They're, they're things that are taking away from that. Yeah, and then we have an example of that, right, with Judas, mm-hmm. who walked yeah. with Jesus for three years mm-hmm. and still, like, he knew Jesus, but only on a superficial level mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't really know Jesus. And that's we see that in uh, one of the gospel accounts where, um, you know, Mary Magdalene washes Jesus's feet uh, with perfume, a very expensive mm-hmm. perfume. And, and yeah. it says right there, like G- Judas was, a, was upset about it, be- not because he cared about the poor, but because he was stealing from the purse. Yeah. Like, so his heart was not in the mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the his behavior exemplified that as as we go through holy week we know yeah judas betrayed jesus to the cross and um and then hung himself and i you know i think it's hard for us to uh 
so a couple of things I want to say about that. Like one is the, our hearts matter because our, the, the position of our heart or the, the mm -hmm. orientation of our heart, yeah. uh, it, it will be borne out in our actions, in our words, um, and in what we do. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's really important to know uh, and to re recognize. And then the other thing is like that Jesus included him. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I, I, I'm, I'm seeing in our culture these days, like, and not mm -hmm. just in Christians, not in just in churches, mm -hmm. but across like this, we have to control other people. Like mm -hmm. if you not conform <clears throat> to what I think is best, then I need to control you. Mm -hmm. And um, whether you're an autocratic ruler of a country or whether you're, uh, you know, a leader of some play, you know, of a business or something. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I've seen that, um, you know, throughout the culture in very different circumstances. And, and that's not the example that Jesus gives us. Yeah. He's, mm -hmm. He says, no, you, you each have a choice. And 11 of them chose the mission. And yeah. one of them chose to be proximate be in proximity to the mission yeah yeah but not mm -hmm. wholeheartedly advancing or believing in the mission mm -hmm. and um I, I don't know why that came to mind but <laughs> yeah no <laughs> but, that's that's important I, I mean so like it's unity as much as we're allowing as much as we allow it to be unity right like mm -hmm. well, and, and we can't control it yeah, I mean it's it's unity. Um, we it's unity around a shared mission, and the reality is that doesn't mean that others cannot be included in our company. Um, yes. So, you know, because sometimes we think, yeah, well, I could go down on a tangent on this, but I, I think that's yeah. the principle. It unity doesn't mean we exclude others from our company. Um, you know, and the reality is, yeah. um, if if as we are united with brothers and sisters in Christ, um, it, which is a you know, and and this Jesus' prayer shows that the unity that he expects, equips, empowers, prays for is a oneness that is likened to the oneness of Trinity. Um, that's I mean, that is incredible. That that's mm -hmm. the kind of oneness that he is. Um, seeking for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to have. Um, so if, if we can, when we are having that kind of oneness and unity, then one of the most attractive things to the non-Christian world is to be in the company of that kind of oneness. Mm. And I mean, there are a few things that I think will draw a non-Christian into Christian community in a more compelling way than them seeing the oneness within a Christian community. Uh, mm. And sadly, the opposite is true. And, and this mm -hmm. is what I feel like we're experiencing now. Um, there's some pretty pretty ugly parts of Christian community or, yeah. or pretty ugly parts of Christian disunity that mm -hmm. are exposed or portrayed you know, publicly and nationally. Um, and there are a few things that are less attractive to the non-Christian mm -hmm. community than looking in at a bunch of Christians fighting with each other. Um, mm. 
So, you know, again, yeah. to Jesus's point and, and passion in his prayer, what does he want to protect? He wants to protect the unity of his, his followers. Mm -hmm. um, because that's that's important to the um, to the message, and yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And I like the fact that um, you know, as as Jesus ends his prayer, um, you know, he it's just it's really stunning that he prays for us. Yeah, yeah. He's not just praying for the for the eleven disciples who are left with him at this point, because Judas is already yeah. gone. Um, yeah. So he's not just praying for them, but he is praying for for us. Um, I'm just trying to find that verse. It's twenty through twenty six is that section, and seventeen. Oh, and I I'm like. I can't find it because I'm looking at the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There it is. Right, yeah. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all may be one. Yeah, that's just, he had the long view. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what, what is so uh, beautiful to me in this last section is, again, this, this, trinitarian oneness that we see um mm -hmm. the the father in the son the son in the father and then um uh jesus praying that we brothers and sisters in christ today would be one in the same way that the son and the father are one and that is i mean just you know the father and son they have perfect community perfect love that they share with each other and, yeah. and the goal is that you and I would share that kind of perfect love and community. And who, who does not want that? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, uh, none of us want to give our lives away and, and live for Christ more than ourselves. You know, we don't naturally want that. But, but we do all naturally want perfect loving community. That is, I mean, such a beautiful thing to aspire to. Mm -hmm. um, and in this, you know, the mystery then that not only does Jesus uh, acknowledge that um, he prays for our oneness and, you know, likened to the oneness of the Trinity, but then he, he puts them both together and he says, um, I and them and they and me. Um, so it, it's as if we are invited into not just experiencing oneness like the trinity but we're invited into the very oneness of the trinity mm. um, not yeah. that we're divine it, you know there's nothing in here that suggests we, we are divine like the trinity mm -hmm. but in a mysterious way we are experiencing oneness with the trinity and mm. that is i mean that's worth living for it's oh, it's incredible yeah yes and i think um it, the other thing you said is that is about love right mm -hmm. and so i think yeah, yeah as i as we've been talking about unity um i've realized like unity we've talked about unity around a mission but it has a mm -hmm. foundation in love yeah because we can't be unified if we are not if we don't experience Jesus's love or, yeah. and we're not accepting of it as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is where, you know, there's so many challenging things uh, about God's illustration of the church being the body of Christ mm-hmm. and the church being the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. So there's there's this sense in which we as the church, we are one body and we, the one body, are married um, we become one with with Christ. I mean that the you know the same oneness that is male female marriage oneness is is what God is using to compare the the oneness that the body of Christ has with um, with Trinity, um, mm-hmm. and that uh, I mean that again is just an astounding comparison that we can have that kind of oneness with God that the marriage relationship illustrates and points to. That's, I mean, that's to be had. And and here's the challenge. That's not just to be had. It's not just about me individually having that with God, but I am a part of the church, which is the body of Christ. So so then I need to realize that unity that I'm experiencing with Trinity, um, the me that's experiencing that is the me that is the corporate body of Christ. So um, so I, uh, I can't be dismissing of Mm. parts of my body um Mm -hmm. i need you know i need to acknowledge my whole body as part of my body and it's so easy for us as christians to pick out other christians and things we don't like about them and want to dismiss them but but they're part of our body we we can't dismiss them um, because they're part of us and you know who are we to say we deserve a unity with Christ that they don't deserve. Um, yeah. And that's that's where the whole metaphor just, I mean, just gets so challenging that I am part of the body of Christ and I cannot mm-hmm. dismiss my brothers and sisters. I can't dismiss my body parts. Mm-hmm. That's it's challenging. It is. Yeah. Wow. But through the challenges, we are promised mm-hmm. God's presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, I mean, the end just that he promises that he himself will be with us. Um, and you know, and that's probably the the reference, you know, the one reference in this prayer to the spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. that it, you know, we don't get it, there's not teaching on that right here, but but we later and the disciples later learn about the spirit, and the spirit is, I mean, just another beautiful mystery is. It's God. It's it's part of the triune God who is present in every believer. So He is with us every moment of every day, wherever we are. Mm-hmm. That's that's an amazing presence. Um, you know, nobody nobody could have thought up. No human could have thought up the <laughs> Trinity and the mystery of Trinity relationship with humanity on their own. I mean, that is just that is a beautiful mystery from the Lord that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is compelling. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I love yeah. thinking about it and teaching about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, Brentley, any last thoughts before we close? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the challenge that I take is is the the glory of God. If the only the only person who has ever walked on earth and known um, the the glory of God is Jesus. And, mm. and what did Jesus do? The, the only person who knew the full glory of God, what did he do? He, he lived and died for God and, and looked forward to experiencing that glory. 
So that's a beautiful example from us. If, if the one who knows his glory did that, then I want to say his glory is probably worth doing that. Um, so I want to live and die and uh, for the glory of God. Hmm. That is a, that's a, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say in response. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Brentley, today to talk about this, about Jesus's prayer here in Johnson. You're welcome. And thank you to those of you who joined us, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on, um, on our podcast. <laughs> We're glad you joined us. Thank you for taking a few minutes of your day to be reminded of Jesus's love, his presence, and his call to unity. Have a great day.